Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. That is a lot of kids. Bless you, children workers. <laughs> oh, man. So... Dad told me a little while, I guess a week or so ago, that I was going to get to do Father's Day, which is exciting. Uh, this will only be my second time to ever speak on a Father's Day, but it's such an honor. Uh, for me personally, one of my, I don't know, favorite things I get to be or get to do is a father. I absolutely love it. Uh, I told Courtney, if I knew being a father was this fun, I'd have done it sooner. I'm just kidding. I did it way too soon to start with. Um, you're never ready for that, uh, but it has been incredible. Uh, I think so much of what I've been able to learn about our Father in heaven has came from being a father and starting to understand things better. And not only that, but also growing up with an incredible earthly father. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said one of his greatest earthly... I'm going to butcher this. He talks way better than I do. But he said one of his greatest earthly insights came from having almost a perfect relationship with his father. So, so it's not, you have, to, you have to understand, it's not that I gained some incredible, you know what I mean? Like you have to give the credit to your insight, your revelation to your heavenly father. But there is an advantage we find ourselves in when you have a relationship with your earthly father, a right relationship, a good relationship. And for a long time, I felt like I wasn't allowed to, uh, really express that or, or dive into that. Even, even my upbringing in, I mean, I'm a third generation teacher, uh, preacher. So, so I used to think I couldn't talk about that a lot because I understand for a lot of people it's not the case. But I've just recently come into this thing to where I'm so proud of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue to downplay the fact that I grew up with an earthly father that set me in the position to be what I am today. Uh, not only a pastor, a leader, a father, a brother, all those things, also a successful business owner, all of the things that having connections with an earthly father put me in position to be able to do. And I know it's very easy to get caught up a lot of times on the fact of maybe we didn't have that connection or we didn't have that, uh, what do you want, a leg up. Maybe we didn't have that connection. But the question we really have to ask ourselves is, what do we want our kids and our grandkids to say about the connection they had with us? So, I, so we can't a lot of times do anything about the connection we had with our father, but we can do everything about the connection our kids and our grandkids will have with us as a father. Because most of the time, when someone is born again, most of what they originally think about our heavenly father is based on what they've been taught about an earthly father. And so for me, coming into the kingdom of God and being born again, it wasn't a huge leap for me to jump into the idea of how good a heavenly father was because if an earthly father could be this good, how much better could a heavenly father be? So, so for me personally, it's been my, my desire and my goal and my mission that when my kids are coming of age, they have no struggle believing that God is that good of a father because they've already experienced such a good father. This is what we're after. This, this, this is the thing is being fathers. And, and today, I, my goal is not to talk so much about 
just earthly, natural fathers. I really want to get into the way the church is set up and, and that type of thing. But you, we can't move on without realizing, fathers, we have a responsibility. Right. I, I also, I, I went into this battle this, these last few days because I tend to be, one of my favorite subjects to talk and teach on is family. And, and I went into this struggle in my mind this week of Satan come in and begin to try to get me to to downplay my theology on family, and he used the idea of, well, what are you going to do if when Stephen gets older, it's not what you thought it would be? And so he said, you might want to dial it back a little bit because there's people whose kids didn't do what they thought they were going to do. So you need to dial back your theology because what if it happens to Stephen? So I had to go into a moment of prayer and reestablish that by faith the worlds were framed. And I refused to put any faith in the idea that my son would be anything other than what God called him to be. My, all three of my children already have prophetic words God has given me as their father that are written down in my phone that I pray over them and speak over them and declare over them. And I refuse to settle for anything less than what the father has said about them. You don't get to decide. The world don't get to decide. Their peers don't get to decide. There are other leaders in their life. Paul said you could have a thousand spiritual leaders but only one father so my kids will be be molded by me and I'm getting more and more bold about it every day if I do nothing else in this life I'm going to raise children that are so strong and so brave they have to have God oh come on you didn't catch that they'll be so strong and so brave they'll have to have God because their dreams will be so big and their faith will be so radical God will have to move in and back up the things that they're saying and doing like he did in the book of Acts that's what I want to be as a father I want to so set them up this week in prayer and preparation I uh I was given this statement in prayer says, dear fathers, build such healthy families that they can bring healing to those who don't. I want a family so healthy. So he because I understand there are a lot of families out there that are not healthy. And there's a lot of really bad situations. My family should be the healing for that. My family should have something in it. See, growing up, today we're just going to talk. Are you all good with that? I am going to read some scripture, don't worry. Growing up, my family was so healthy, and it was so pure, and it was so biblical that kids that were broken and had really bad home lives begin to draw to me. Now, as a parent, that could be one of your greatest fears. Oh, gosh, have you seen who Josh is hanging out with? But the more I begin to look back over my life, I begin to realize I never once sought out anyone. I didn't seek out friends. I didn't try. Matter of fact, most of my life, I didn't try to be friendly. Mostly because I didn't care. I just had a I don't care attitude. You can be my friend or not. My friends would come to me and be like, hey, go ask your parents if you can stay the night. And I would go and be like, hey, can I stay the night? They'd say no. I'd say, okay, walk away. Because I didn't care. So I didn't have this thing where I was going out and being like, oh, he's a bad boy. I want to hook up with him and do what they're doing. No, they began to draw to me, and they wanted to be at my house, and they wanted to stay with me all the time, and, and they were always wanting to be at our house. Why? 
As I begin to look back, God began to show me because it was a healthy environment they had never known before. And when they were there, they felt something that they had never felt before. And there was healing in a healthy home. So I would have some of, I mean, literally, I'm, you can ask my parents, I'm not exaggerating. Some of the worst kids in our community, all of a sudden they were staying the night at our house. And they'd be asking me, hey, uh, what, what's your family doing this weekend? I'd be like, bro, stay out of my personal life. It's my family, you know what I mean? Like, and they'd be wanting to hang out. They'd want to come. Even though they couldn't care less about church, they would go to church with me on Sundays just so they could hang out with my family after church. They didn't care about church. I'm just going to be real. They played on their, well, I was going to say played on their phones. We didn't have phones. Uh, they drew, they ignored the message. They didn't care about nothing, but they knew afterwards they were going to spend time with my family. And there was a healing that came from being in a healthy family. Healthy families are built on established and healthy fathers who create a culture that can bring healing. And so what we are called to do, fathers, is build a home that's so healthy it brings healing to unhealthy homes and unhealthy hearts and unhealthy conditions. If you're waiting on God to show up with a big bang and fix the unhealthy families in your community, you're missing it. Your family's supposed to be so healthy, it heals those families. That's what this thing is about. So the church is no different. The church is set up like a family and God did it on purpose because God loves family. And so he set the church up like a family with a mother and a father and brothers and sisters and it's intended to be so healthy that unhealthy families are healed when they come to it. Unhealthy situations and relationships. But the problem is the church family has been so unhealthy for so long, we've brought no healing to the unhealth that's out there. So God's looking for a church that'll set it up like a family and become so healthy and become so whole that we build something so strong it can heal those that, that are unhealthy. It was so crazy watching some of my friends growing up. Most of them that I'm just pulling up right now, they either didn't have a father in the picture or he was, he was just there but absent or an alcoholic or whatever it may be. And so before long, they begin to feel like and express like my dad was their dad. Because there's something about getting connected to a healthy father that begins to unlock something in you. Can, can I, and I'm just going to put this out. I, I'm not, I don't want anything I say today to feel like I'm throwing stones at anyone. I'm, I'm revealing to you the convictions that I have to live with. And so, so what we have to realize is that if that's the case, then fathers, are we building a culture in our own homes? that's so healthy, someone in an unhealthy culture would desire to adopt you as a father. Adoption is one of the greatest things in the world. I absolutely am moved deeply when I see people adopt. But the other side of that, there's also another side of adoption to where an unhealthy child adopts a healthy father because they're reaching out for help. But if we're not even willing to build health into our own children, how would we ever build health into another child that doesn't have it? This is what we're called to do. If we as fathers think we were here to skate through life and make money and make a living, you missed it. 
You miss it. I don't care how much you pray and go to church. If you're not in it as a father, if you're not building health and passing these things down, that's what you're called to do. Before you're called to, the, to, to be the God's man of out power for the hour, we have to build healthy homes and healthy places. That's what we're after. God said, build a family that's so healthy, it'll bring healing to those that don't. I'm going to read some scriptures in here. They, uh, it's in, uh, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's some scriptures where Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he really leans heavy into the idea of being a spiritual father. And, uh, and I love the way he leans in it. Uh, and I love his approach to it. Paul had such an incredible approach to being a spiritual father, having spiritual children. I hope that we are all kind of in agreement here this morning that spiritual fathers are a necessity in your life. It's, it's, it's not something that, it you know, take it or leave it. it it's, a necess- it's the way the Bible has established it. It's the way God our Father has established it. Even as far back to say that we are children of Abraham, the father of our faith. So a spiritual father is a necessity in one's life. And so Paul is writing to, uh, to the church in Corinth, and I, I love this passage. I actually was kind of caught off guard that certain phrases that are so popular are actually found in this spiritual father passage. Uh, I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version first, just kind of help you keep up, and then I'll probably pull it from the Passion as well. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14, Paul says, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children... For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Check out 16. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. And I love this. Who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I wasn't coming back. I love this. You get what's happening here? Some are acting arrogant because they don't think I'm coming. And Paul's like, but I'm coming. All right? Anyway, I love the Bible. It's a blast. Where was he at? Uh, Some are puffed up as as though I was not coming. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I'll know. Not based on what they're saying, but based on the authority they say it, or the power that backs it up. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So what do you want? Shall I come with a rod? Or shall I come in love and gentleness? I love this. He's like, all right, it's your choice. Do you want me to show up and whip your butt? Or do you want me to show up and commend you because you're being good children? All right? I, I love this, this picture of Paul, and I love it because his desire, because he starts off with, I didn't write this to shame you, and at the end he says, I don't, do, which way do you want me to come back? Paul's desire was to never show up with the rod. That wasn't his default. So, so I think what we need to do is, as we begin to see him as a spiritual father, I've begun to see myself as an earthly father through these spiritual concepts and realize that if your natural first reaction is to show up with the rod, then you're wrong. Now, I know this ain't going to be popular because we were raised on spoil the rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. 
And that was the only parenting scripture we heard growing up. And trust me, my dad never did, but mama didn't mind using the rod or the belt or the spatula or whatever she had to use in the moment. Mostly on Whitney, because Whitney was the one that really deserved it. But, you know what I'm saying? And, but what I want to show you this morning, I'm not preaching against whipping your kids. I let my wife do it all the time. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, I feel like too often, because fathers are really just internally aggravated, we're just quick to bring the rod. And it really has nothing to do with the kid, it just has to do with the fact that you're so unsettled interior. And so you just whip your kids. Just whip your kids, and they have no reason. To, they have no understanding of what's happening in the moment other than you got mad and whipped them. So you did no good in the moment. Now they just see dad as the one that when he gets mad, he whips me. I didn't know he was going to deal with parenting today, Scott. <laughs> Instead of understanding that there's this, he said, he said, I'm not writing to shame you. My goal is not to show up and be this person, but I can be if I have to. I feel like we need to get that right again. His goal was to instruct and to build them. Is our goal as fathers, as leaders, as parents, is the goal to instruct and build or just make sure you do it the right way? See, there's two different things here, and Paul's creating such a, a beautiful balance. But what I want you to see here, verse 15, he says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. I want you to see this from kind of two different point of views. He's not saying you should have more fathers. That's not what he's saying here. Now, do we need more fathers in spiritual settings? Yes, because the number one lacking ingredient in the American church today is an actual spiritual father. A lot of what we deal with would be solved under spiritual fathers. Because it's, it's, it's one of two things. Everything we're seeing right now, the unrest, the riots, the, uh, the abuse of authority on the other side, everything falls under two things, the abuse of authority or the lack of authority. You can put it in one of two. Everything you can think of, on one side you had the abuse of authority, and on the other side you have the lack of authority. Well, a spiritual father is one that comes in and brings the perfect balance where there's no abuse of authority, but there's no lack of authority. And it brings a, it brings a perfection, the Bible calls it, to the body of Christ so that we can mature and move into the areas and do the things we're called to do. So, so what we're missing is this, this spiritual father, this leadership in the church that comes in uh, and, and begins to establish these things. And this is what Paul does. Paul is not saying you should have lots of fathers. He's saying you can have lots of instructors, but, there's, but, but not a lot of fathers. You catch what I'm saying here? I feel like too many times we take this scripture and we say, Paul's telling you should have lots of fathers. No, that's not what he's saying. Because he goes on to say, I'm your father. I'm your father in the faith. So this is what I love that Paul teaches us right here. He says, you, have, you can have many instructors, but not many fathers. Then he goes on and says, so I urge you, imitate me. Fathers, listen to this. He said, I urge you, imitate me. I, I read this this week. I thought it was so good. It's by Clarence Kelland, and he said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He just lived, and he let me watch him do it. This is, the, this is what Paul's teaching us right here. 
Paul said, I'm not coming in there to tell you how to live, but I have lived and let you watch me do it. See, what you got to understand is a lot of times we come into this thing and when we think we want a spiritual father, we want someone that will hold our hand and walk us through every little thing and teach us every little... No, see, what a spiritual father does is he says, I urge you, imitate me. And Paul also said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I'm not holding your hand and walking you through every little thing. You have to be aware and pay attention and understand the things that are happening in the passion, he says, the way I'm living in union with Christ. So as a father, we are called to live in such a way that if our kids did it the same way, they'll be living like Jesus. God almighty. So this, this, this past week, uh, we, uh, we, me and Colby, Courtney and Taylor, uh, you know, we started the construction company in and over the last few weeks, we got the privilege we bought our first flip house and we've just been going wide open on this thing and come to find out the whole house is surrounded with poison ivy. And for me, I would have never known, but Colby's highly allergic, like, like bad. <laughs> so after a few days in it, he's just eat up with poison ivy everywhere. He's taking Clorox baths and scrubbing it. I mean, it was just terrible. Well, my daughter finds out about it. KG, she's five. She finds out Unc's got poison ivy and can't hardly work, can't do nothing. So in her mind, the logical thing to do is, well, let's go over there and pray for him. So my five-year-old goes over to her uncle's house lays hands on him, and prays for him. And two days later, it's dried up. You know what? I never sat down and taught a lesson on praying for the sick. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. I didn't sit my kids down and teach them a lesson that this is what we have to do. But when you're raised in a certain culture... It becomes the response. And I was just telling my kids, you just imitate me. And if you do what I'm doing, you'll be doing what he's doing. Because, oh, come on. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So my kids have to come up in a culture that says, I'm just doing what I seen dad doing. And if dad did it, then Christ must have done it. This is too real. This is too real. I told y'all, this week, Satan came at me and tried to get me to lower my family theology, and guess what I did? I caught another gear. And I said, you think that level was bad? Wait for the next level. I'm, 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 I'm driven. I'm driven more than any other area in my life to raise such strong spiritual children. Excuse me. And I'm not doing it through... How do I say this kindly? I'm not just doing it through felt board Bible lessons. I'm telling my kids, watch me. I'm telling my son, watch me how I love your mom. And that's how you'll love your wife. My God. I'm telling you, watch me how I treat my family. And you treat your family like that. And you'll be doing it like Christ would do it. I'm telling my son, imita I urge you. I urge you, as a matter of fact, recently, <laughs> oh, I don't know how far I can go with this. I don't know how much I want to expose because I don't know how judgmental you're feeling this morning. But recently, my son caught on a word, caught on to a word, and uh, just in conversations, just threw the word out. 
And I was like, whoa, where'd this word come from? And, and it was like Holy Spirit just stepped in in the moment. And what would have normally been spare the rod, spoil the child, became a moment of me not getting on to him, but relaying to him that I, me, I don't use that word. That's, that's, that's not in my vocabulary. And so since then, now he don't use the word. Not because I beat it out, beat it out of him. Because in my lifetime, a lot of times when it just went straight to you get a whipping for it, there was something in me that thought, I really want to do it now. I'm just going to be real this morning. I know y'all all grew up little angels and you didn't do nothing wrong. But when I knew they were going to really get on to me if I did it, hmm, I think I kind of want to do that now. But when he realized it wasn't a matter of, how do I say this? Do y'all feel me? It wasn't a matter of the repercussions of punishment. It was understanding that it's not a part of my lifestyle. And he responded to the fact that if it's not in dad's lifestyle, and if dad is this good to me, oh, come on, this is too, this is too much. Now, all of a sudden, it's not a part of his lifestyle. So Paul is teaching us this example of being a father where he's saying, I urge you to imitate me. Now I'm fixing to flip this around and I'm really just going to put this out there and I know this isn't going to be popular, okay? If this is the way it's set up and we're talking about a spiritual father who is writing to a church and Paul says to the people in the church, I urge you, do what I'm doing. Watch me. Watch what I'm doing. Because it's a lot easier for me to come back with, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, me and Jesus got our own thing going on. So what you're saying is, you're not doing it under the leadership of a spiritual father. You're just doing it under whatever you think is right. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> See, Paul came in and began to establish something. Because when spiritual authority is established, only then can spiritual authority be, uh, what's the word, transferred. So what happened was he was saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to come up under a spiritual father. And he said, just do like I'm doing. And in obedience and yielding to this spiritual father, and imitating him like Christ, it releases a transfer of authority. Now, all of a sudden, we see Timothy doing some of the things we've seen Paul doing. Oh, come on. This is too real. So, so God begins to set it up and establish a spiritual father. Because under spiritual fathers is where you see the release of gifts and children and those types of things. So that being said, I want to just bring attention to the awareness that if I was to call a Sunday night service tonight and not tell you any details, just say, hey, we're going to come back tonight, we're going to have a service, and somebody's going to teach, you would be running through your mind of who you thought it might be because you don't have a clue. It could be one of seven or eight different people that could bring you the word tonight. 
Why? Because when there's a spiritual father established in a house, it releases permission for children, spiritual children, to operate in the gifts that they're called to operate in. So on a Sunday morning, you never know who's going to walk up and grab the mic and prophesy into your life. You don't know, you don't know the, you don't know who's going to preach a lot of times on Sunday mornings. Why? Because there's a, when there's a spiritual father established, it allows and releases permission for spiritual children to operate in their gifts. Because the, he said you could have lots of instructors, but not many fathers. See, the thing about only having instructors and not having fathers is instructors need, to be, need the instruction to be within their parameters. How do I, how do I break this down? In other words, I'm going to need it to be the way that I do it because I'm an instructor. That's, you know what I mean? I, I don't need you doing it in all of your... So when there's a father present, it is actually permission for the diversity of gifts. You know why? I have three children, and I don't expect all three of my children to have the exact same personalities. Why? Because I'm a father. Now, if I was an instructor and they were coming into my class... God, I hope this is getting across to you. When I, when I taught at the high school and all the different kids came in my class, right? From every kind of background, situation, circumstance, I had one way that I expected everyone to do it because I was an instructor in the class. But when my three children come to me, I'm not instructor, I'm father. And they have permission for diversity because they're different children. Gosh, I hope this is so clear to you. So on a Sunday or whenever, you may get me up here in a, I don't even know what to call it anymore. I was going to say as a teacher, but who knows what I'm going to be up here as. And then the next day, you may have a Kamal who comes in his own personality and his own presentation. And then you may have Colby who will run back and forth so fast your neck will be tired when he gets done preaching. You never know, but it's the permission to come forward in you. And who you're called to be. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart. That means find the bend that God put in that child. That doesn't mean you get to decide what they're going to be. Oh, I know y'all don't like this. It reminds me, I was actually, we were talking yesterday. There was a famous tennis player, and some of y'all may know his name. I cannot pull his name up for nothing. But he was one of the greatest tenor, tennis players to ever play. And when he retired, he wrote a book talking about how he hated tennis. He absolutely hated it. But when he was a little boy, his dad made him play and made him practice. And all, I mean, it's all his life was wrapped up in nothing but tennis and became one of the greatest players to ever play. And then turned around and said he hated tennis. He didn't want to do it, but it's what his dad made him be. In the, we were talking about it because uh, Colby was telling me a story about a, a kid who was the same way with baseball. As soon as he was five, they had him in travel ball every weekend and doing all these different kinds of things, and they just drilled it in him and drilled it in him and drilled it all the way up. He dominated in high school, got drafted to a D1 college, got drafted into the MLB, and was playing on a minor league team. He went in the dugout one day and put his glove on, walked out on the field. He said, I looked at the grass, and I looked at the stands, and I thought, I hate this. This is not what I wanted to do took his glove off, threw it in the dugout, and told the coach, I'm done. Got in his truck and went to the house. Why? Because that wasn't what he was. That's what the father made him be. 
there's this permission that comes with a father to find what's already in you and begin to cultivate and create and the environment that allows you to become that person. See, what would happen, how would it have been if when Kamal got ready to speak, we sat Kamal down and said, all right, now, listen. I, you can't talk like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you sound too black. I don't know how else to say that, Kamal. I love you, bro. You know what I mean? You can't say that. You can't do it like that. I need you to present it the way I present it. Well, you know what we would have got? We would have got a really bad version of me and no version of Kamal. But how many in this room have been blessed by 100% Kamal when he brings a word in this house? See, when there's, father, when there's a father established in the house, it gives children permission to be who they are, to thrive in who they are. So Paul was creating this spiritual environment as a father over this community and in doing so, we begin to see a Timothy come up. And these other ones who are free to begin to operate and move and who they're called to be. And Paul was just creating the environment. I love it because Paul was never actually at these churches for a long extended period. He came in and established culture. He established what it would be like. And then he allowed the children permission to operate in their gifts and in their callings, and the church begin to explode. I am totally convinced that there is no explosion of the church without this formula. Without fathers established who raise up sons and daughters, that's what explodes a church. That's what grows it. That's what moves it forward. That's what allows it to become what it's called to be. The church grew so fast they couldn't keep up with it. And in the midst of it, they were making sure they took time and established fatherhood, sons and daughters. He said, you, you could have a lot of instructors, but not many fathers. I love this concept because a hundred instructors, a hundred teachers, role models, big brothers, whatever you want to call them, a hundred of those in my life couldn't replace one father. Man. We see it. We see it all of the time. How many after school programs, how many situations, things have been created for those who don't have a father in the home. And I am all for those programs. I love them dearly. But there's a hundred instructors doesn't take the place of one father. What those kids need is somebody to step in and be a father. They need someone to step in and be the father in their life. Can I challenge you guys, men in this church, what our kids need is us to step up and be fathers. Real biblical fathers who establish spiritual cultures in our homes. Who know, who know what it's like to follow Jesus because they've been watching dad. That's the greatest conviction in my life. That my kids can imitate me, and it would be like imitating Christ. I feel like for too long we wanted to talk about husbands, fathers, whatever, so we jumped over to the whole wives submit and husbands love your wives and that whole thing, and we missed this one. We missed this one where Paul said a real father can say imitate me because I'm just imitating him. And they can follow us in that. 
And so I believe we have to come to this place where we, we, we begin to understand and be really aware of the fact that, uh, that a father creates an environment that allows children to thrive and to operate in their gifts, and that's the environment that we're getting the privilege to operate in. Does every, children's, every child step up and operate in their gift? No. It doesn't always happen that way. But a real father is creating the room for it. We know this because every now and then, all of a sudden, you'll just see somebody kind of just pop on the scene. You're like, whoa, this person's incredible. Where'd you come from? You know what I mean? It's a child being released into a position. For instance, how many of you were here, not last Sunday, I think, but the Sunday before maybe, and I asked Cherish to take up the offering that Sunday morning. So all she, that was it. Just, hey, you want to take up the offering? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And she came up and took up the offering. And in the middle of that, if you're paying attention and you're connected to the spiritual climate and the spiritual connection of a family, you understand that all of a sudden there was something that happens in the room when a child operating in their gift begins to release something into the room. And there's this, this connectivity. There's this thing that happens, and it's the releasing of a gift. And those gifts are released in houses and in environments where a father has been established. So I think this morning I, I really just wanted to establish the fact that I am super grateful to be raised in a church that just doesn't have an instructor. I don't want to just be under instructor. I don't want somebody who just tells me this is how it's done. I want to be in an environment, in a place with a father whom I can imitate and know that if I do so, I'm following in his footsteps. These are becoming some of the biggest scriptures to me right now. I mean, if you were to stop and just take a moment, I know, I know dad personally, he would never just stand up and be like, just, just do what I'm doing. Just imitate me. It's not the kind of person he is. But think about the weight of this scripture where Paul was so driven by this understanding of being the spiritual father in their life that he can make a statement as big as, just, just follow me. Just imitate me. And as long as you're doing that, you're not going to step outside of the boundaries of what the Christ would do. And this has been so motivating for me as a father. I'm making sure I'm not forgetting nothing, which I have two things written down, so we covered them. Good job, guys. This is what I want to kind of just start winding this thing down with. What I love about the gospel and how the gospel is connected to this being a Father's Day message is that Jesus came on the scene with the most scandalous message we had ever heard. And that message was Abba. There were so many names for God. Provider, I'm not even going to try to get into it. Just so many names for God. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, when I pray, I say Abba, which is Papa, Daddy. So he comes on the scene and they're thinking, wait, no, he's God. He's this huge entity way off millions of light years away from us. And if we pray hard enough, he'll throw stuff down to us. And Jesus sits on the scene and says, no, 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 no. I've got this new message, and that message is Abba. So the, 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 the crux of salvation is Father's Day. The crux of salvation is I went from knowing him as a spiritual entity somewhere far away to all of a sudden now I get the privilege to say Abba. Now I get to call him 
Abba. Now I get to come into a family. I get to come into a family. Because the way it started off, God created this little small family. And he hung out with them every day. And he walked with them in the cool of the garden. And they knew him on this personal, personal level. And all that was separated and made far away. And God said, what I really wanted was this family. So he comes in and begins to set up a family. And then we get the privilege, especially on a day like today, where we're honoring the idea of being a father. The reality of being a father. And it's done under the, the most scandalous message ever brought to us. And that's that we, get, we have the privilege and the honor to say Abba. They come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, all right, I'll teach you. When you go in to pray, say, our Father. And you have to understand in that moment, they had to be like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not how we pray. Jesus comes on the scene and says, yeah, but I'm changing things now. And I've come to establish a family. And in family, there's got to be a father. There's got to be Abba. There's got to be an Abba. I'm so, I'm just... I don't know, I was so motivated today and throughout this week. I love this time of year. I love the, um, what do you call it? <laughs> I love the almost conflict or the contradiction or whatever it may be of the joy of being a father balanced with the weight and responsibility of being a father. I feel like we, we have to be very aware of both. I mean, if we're not bringing joy and laughter and excitement into our families, then we're missing it. But if we're also not under the responsibility and the weight of what a father does to a home, we're also missing it. So what, what I believe the world needs to see right now, because let's face it, we're in a situation right now, it's bad. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. But the world is looking for what it means to be a part of a healthy family. All this is stemming from just unhealthy families, unhealthy uh, upbringings, things, whatever it may be. And so I believe we have to be careful that we don't just lean heavy on God show up with a big bang and fix all these problems. And we have to understand that what if this revival that we're praying for looks like personal revival and family revival health, uh, unity, all these things that are missing within these, and then we start creating the new culture that this world needs to live in, that this world needs to experience. A lot of things, a lot of times, I think dad said it before, things can't really be dealt with until they've been exposed. And and right now I feel like we're in this, this incredible moment of exposure And so with this exposure, the church needs to come with a healing. Can I tell you, let me just speak from my side of everything that's happening in the nation right now. Can I tell you if in your mind you're thinking, I'm ready for this to be over and us just get back to normal, then you're in in the wrong. Because if your goal is just for it to be over and get back to normal, then you have no desire to heal what has been exposed. If we just get over it and go back to normal, then we've covered it up again and it'll do it again when our kids are here and our kids will have to deal with it. So we're in a prime position to create such a healthy family 
that now that this has been exposed, us present a culture and a family that is the healing. We started this whole thing off with, God told me to build a family so healthy it would bring the healing to those that don't. What does our nation need healing of right now? We, uh, the term relevant, uh, I think it was Pastor Rob Parsley brought this out so well, the term relevant has been kind of abused and used the wrong way in church and we think to be relevant you got to dress like them, talk like them, act like them. And that wasn't the, that, that's not even close to the de- definition of relevant. Relevant means that you're very close to the issue at hand. I think the church tried to be one version of relevant and became nowhere near the issues at hand. And we were trying to look like them and act like them and be like them. And we weren't even close to the issues. We didn't even know what was going on. But can I tell you, two Wednesdays ago when this thing had just erupted, this nation was turning upside down. Racism had been brought to the forefront like we haven't seen it in a while. And two Wednesdays ago, me and Colby and an Asian guy loaded up on a school bus and drove into the projects of this community and went driving around honking and knocking on doors and pulling little black kids out of their homes and bringing them to a place and loving them in the middle of everything. Can I tell you what Fox News and CNN is not showing you? They're not showing you the moves that are being made right now, the things that are happening even in my own community. I didn't know I was going to get on some of this today, but all of a sudden I feel like a father. Listen, there's some really good things happening. Really good things happening, even in the heart of where all this took place. Did you know that right now they're holding worship services and things in Minneapolis where it took place and hundreds are getting saved, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Restoration is happening. If you don't know that's taking place, then you're getting your news from the wrong place. See, what's happening is there's in the midst of this darkness and this chaos and this thing that's happening, there's a revival breaking loose. And you better pick which side you're going to be on. Will you be on the side of social media and Fox News and CNN? Or will you be standing in the middle with some of us who will be in the middle of our community just loving people? I told Colby, I'm just, we're here now. Let's go with it. I told Colby, I said, I'm going to love these black kids so well that even in the moment when they have a chance to be influenced by racism, they're going to have to remember me. They're going to have to stop and say, yeah, but there was this one white boy. (laughs) There was this one long-haired, funny-looking white dude who kept coming to my community, and he kept investing into me, and he kept loving me, and he kept feeding me, and he kept coming back when nobody else would. So can I tell you, if you're not on that side of things and you're not out there fighting to make sure that healing comes to this nation, then please be quiet. Please be quiet. Because I only want to talk with the ones who got boots on the ground. I want to sit with the people who are loving the heck out of their community. I want to run with people who don't need Facebook to back up your your insecure stance, but you're standing in your community and you're saying, I love you and I love you and I love you. And my love is not without action. My love puts me right there in the middle of them. That's what this church needs. That's what this community needs. And that's what this nation needs. We need less of you on social media and more of you loving people rightly. I'm going to end with this, I promise. 
I better not promise. I'm going to end with this. We're in the prime position, church. We're in the prime position right now because we've been caught right in the middle of this whole thing. Because we're a multi-ethnic church. I love that I can say that. We got some African Americans, some Asian Americans, some Texas Americans. <laughs> you like that, didn't you? Because we're right in the middle of it, we're right in the middle of the issue. And it's real. It's real. Don't think this is something we're about to sweep under the rug. No, 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 no. It's here now. And it's right in our face. And can I tell you, if Life Church is going to trumpet something right now, we're about to trumpet the unity that is found under the banner of Yeshua the Christ. That because of Christ, there is no bond, there is no slave, there is no, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female, there is no separation whatsoever. So anything that comes up in your heart that would be any type of separation from you and someone else, it's anti-everything Jesus did. And this church, can I be so bold to say, because I know the plans that are being made right now and things that are in the movements, this church is about to be a beacon of hope for the issues that are plaguing our nation. And if this issue makes you uncomfortable, you are about to be so uncomfortable. You, I'm, I'm warning you now, if this situation is iffy and you're not sure about it, we are about to go so hard in this direction that Jesus is going to put us in some positions to heal some things. But before there's healing, there's exposure and there's revealing and it has to fester and it has to be seen. And we are going to be in the middle of it. I'm going to pray that right now. Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing. I thank you that you are preparing Life Church to bring healing to this issue, to bring healing to what has been going on for way too long. God, I thank you that you have put us right in the middle of it. And I believe that today on Father's Day that you are beginning something. You're starting something within our lives. There's a revival that's starting today. Will you see it? Will you know it? Will you hear it? Revival is not coming. It is here. And it has started within our hearts. And if you want to see restoration to a community, then you better embrace the revival in your interior world. Father, we want restoration. We don't want an explosion of good services. We want to reform the culture. We want to reform the community. We want to bring it up under the banner of Yeshua the Christ and say we are one. We are unified by the blood of Jesus Christ. I wish I had somebody praying right now. This issue ain't gonna be solved because we get out there and feed people. It's gonna be solved when we pray ourselves into a position, when we fast ourselves into a position where when we declare things in our community, it happens, it's broken, it's freed. Somebody better hate this thing so much that you're willing to go into prayer and bind the strong man. Somebody better hate racism so much that you'll fast and you'll pray and you'll seek the face of God until it's torn down in your life, in your home, in your community. I don't know if you can tell this morning, but I hate this thing. 
I was reminded this week of the first time I ever experienced racism. I was raised in a home and a family that I didn't even know what racism was. I didn't know you could not like someone because of the way they look. I didn't even know what that was. Just to give you an idea of the home life I was raised in. Well, we were at a, a I'm not going to give a lot of details, but we were at a specific gathering and someone there made a comment about black people. And I remember getting so mad. I was so angry at that person. I was maybe in junior high and I remember just, oh, I was so mad. I literally just got up and walked out. And he made a comment even towards me saying, well, you don't know yet. And I was, oh, I could not. I was so mad. I just went outside. And I was so mad. I started, I was crying. I was so mad. And I thought, I hate this thing. In junior high, I knew already, I hate this thing. And here I am 31 years later. And I believe God had reminded me of that moment because he has been preparing me my whole life to step in and be a voice for someone who's been oppressed, someone who's been hurt, someone who's been left out. And he's brought us into this position and placed me as a leader in this church because we're about to stir up something and bring healing to an issue. Can I tell you, God's heart is broken over this issue right now. It's broken. And if your heart isn't broken over it, then you're not close enough to his. We should be so moved by this right now, this injustice on both sides and from both angles and from both point of views that racism is there and we have the answer. And it's Yeshua the Christ. He's the answer. Oh, I don't even know where to go from here. I don't know what to do. I'm so moved this morning. I know this isn't your cookie cutter Father's Day message, but maybe today on Father's Day, I just came to reveal the heart of the Father. And I tell you, his heart is stirred. And he's looking for a people. Can I tell you that maybe today, once again, he's saying, I sought for a man. for a man I sought for a church that would lay aside petty differences and what you prefer and bring healing to a community we've played church long enough this thing wasn't designed to patty cake your preferences it was designed to bring healing to a community and if we're not healing the racism in our community what are we doing what are we doing? God, forgive us. I've been seeing this where people are apologizing for what our ancestors did. And I, I get where that's coming from. That's neither here nor there. But I think the real apology should be from us to the Father. That we have not been the ministers of reconciliation. Father, I'm sorry. I apologize that my preferences and what I want and my comforts have took first place and I haven't been the minister of reconciliation, reconciling them back to you. It's bigger than reconciling black to white and white to black. It's bigger than that. The reconciliation is a reconciliation back to the Father and that heals the issue. 
I'm for rallies and I'm for cooking. I'm for doing all of it and we're probably going to do it all. But you can do all that. And if they're not reconciled back to Jesus, the issue will still remain. Can we just pray one more time before we leave today? Father, you called us to be ministers of reconciliation. God, I want to see my community healed. I didn't sign up to have good services. I want to see healing come. We want to be the voice of healing into our communities. God, help us, help us, help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, help us, help us to get off of social media and quit putting our preferences and which side we're on. Help us to lay all that aside just to hear your voice and say what you're saying because I only want to do what I hear and see the Father doing. I only want to do what you're doing, God, and you're bringing healing and reconciliation. God, let us be that. Let us be that. Let us be that. God, give us, give us the way in. Give us, give us the path. Show us what to do and what to say and how to say it and where to go and where to be. And give us the strength, the faith, and the courage to speak out, to declare, to pray, to listen. God, give us the, give us the humbleness to actually listen, to actually hear what's being said. Oh, thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I should apologize or something. I don't know. But I love you. Happy Father's Day to all you guys. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.